0: Lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated US-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let Lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on Lifelock Ultimate Plus at Lifelock.com/slash aware. Terms apply.
1: What's up, you guys? I'm Haley, and this is Inhuman, a True Crime Podcast.
0: Alright,
1: you guys, welcome back to another solo episode while Andrea is on maternity leave. A lot of you guys have been asking how Andrea and her babies are doing, so I just wanted to give you a little mini update. She is doing great. If you didn't know, she had twin baby girls almost a month ago now, and actually, by the time you're listening to this, I think it will have been a month. So, happy one month birthday to Freya and Violet. They are so adorable and Andrea is doing great. She is just very sleep deprived as can be expected. But if you want updates on her and the babies, go follow her on Instagram. She is Andrea Shenan- Shenanigans. It is linked um, on our Instagram so you guys can go follow her and get the most adorable pictures of her babes that she shares on her story. So, just wanted to give you guys that small little update before we get into today's episode. Today we are going to be talking about a case that was actually suggested by one of our amazing listeners. So if you're new here or if you didn't know, you can suggest cases to us through our website inhumanpodcast.com. And if you want your name to be Connected to the suggestion, be sure to write your name. So this one was suggested by Melissa. So thank you, Melissa, for suggesting this case. I had never heard of it, and I'm excited to get into it. Today, we are talking about the murder of Sarah Stern. At 2.46 a.m. on December 3rd, 2016, an Uber driver noticed an Oldsmobile stopped on a bridge in Belmar, New Jersey. The keys were still inside the car, but there was no sign of a driver. It didn't appear that the car had been in an accident and basically looked as if it had been completely abandoned. He called 911 to report this because he found it very odd. This was a small town and area, so once word got around about this abandoned car, it was quickly identified to be a car belonging to 19-year-old Sarah Stern. Sarah's father, who was out of state in Florida at the time, got a phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning about his daughter's car being found abandoned, and he immediately began driving back to New Jersey. So, as I said, this car did not appear to be in an accident, but they could not find Sarah anywhere around the car. The Stearns were well known in the area, and it shocked a lot of people when she just disappeared. No one knew where Sarah was or why she wasn't picking up her phone. It was very odd for her because she was very attached to her phone, as typical teenagers were in 2016 and even more so today. As I mentioned, her dad was out of town and her mother had passed away in 2013, so nobody was aware of where she was. Police went to Sarah's home to see if she was there and no one was in sight. The only living being in the house was her dog, who was in his crate and appeared to be unharmed. Police began speaking with neighbors and learned that earlier in the day before she disappeared, Sarah had brought a bin of her mother's stuff over to her neighbor's house. As they spoke to more people, they kind of realized that she had been distributing personal belongings recently, though, packing up all of her belongings or a lot of her belongings in these crates and kind of distributing them. Sarah's neighbor, Robin Draper, did tell police that she believed Sarah had been depressed lately. A massive search for Sarah began, and investigators initially believed that this was a suicide. Police went to the home of Liam McItasney, who was Sarah's best friend. Sarah and Liam had been close friends since the seventh grade, and everyone knew that they were extremely close, they were best friends, and Liam told investigators that he was with Sarah the day before, earlier that afternoon and last saw her before he went to work at 4.30. Here's some audio from the interaction that police had with Liam that night that was caught on body cam footage.
0: Liam, you Liam. You got a second? Can I come in and talk to you real quick? Yeah, no problem, officer. Is uh, Sarah here by chance? No. When was the last time you talked to her? I was with her today. Turn some light on if you don't mind. I mean, we went to get food today. And You went to work the time? uh 4 30. okay so you haven't talked to her since 4 30. you no. have a cell phone you can reach out to it to her on i actually haven't been able to find my cell phone and yeah do you that been all day
1: liam then told the officer that sarah had kind of been wanting to get away he said that her relationship with her father had been volatile the last few months and you know her father had been in a new relationship and liam kind of explained that sarah had been very depressed lately He also said that she had told him she was going to escape to Canada.
0: What was her mindset last time you talked to her? I just know she's been trying to get away. You can tell me she's Mm -hmm. going to Canada. Trying to get away, okay. Canada, she's been real depressed lately. Her dad is crazy. Okay, and then she's dealing with the loss of her mother.
1: Official air and water searches, as well as several huge volunteer searches, were done for Sarah, but no sign of her was found anywhere. Police were trying to rule out suspects as they could, talking to her dad, Liam, and other friends. In one conversation police had with Liam, they were asking him about Sarah's mindset when he was with her the day before. And that's when Liam told them that she had been suicidal in the past. Here's the audio from the body cam footage.
0: Has she been different than normal lately? And for how long? In the past, she has had a tendency to have self-destructive suicidal behavior. I actually know that... How long ago? Years ago. Over the past few months, she's been telling me... Excuse me. How uh, bad her relationship with her father is and how she just needs to get out of here. Why was it bad? What made it bad? Fighting. Arguing, fighting? Arguing, fighting, constantly.
1: Investigators were able to see via cameras that Sarah's car left her house at at about 11.45 p.m., but they could not see who was driving. Everybody, including Liam, was cooperative with detectives. Liam was participating in searches and answering all questions that he was asked. However, he was the only one of Sarah's friends and family that kind of portrayed her as someone who may want to harm herself. During one interview, he asked detectives, quote, if she jumped off the bridge, what are the odds that she's not somewhere all the way out in the ocean by now? And that kind of struck detectives as bizarre. They found it weird that he didn't ask anything about what they were doing to find her. But to play devil's advocate, as you guys know, I always have to. You never know how you'd act in that type of situation. And maybe he was just trying to figure out where his friend might be. As I said, Liam was being very cooperative, answering all detectives' questions and speaking with them multiple times, but eventually Liam's mother and father both contacted lawyers on his behalf, so with that, the questioning of him stopped. With this, investigators decided to turn to his roommate and friend, Preston Taylor, to try to get answers. Preston was pretty much able to confirm everything that Liam had said. There weren't really any inconsistencies. But despite this, detectives had a feeling that the whole truth was not being told. They kept investigating, and that's when they discovered that Sarah had been to the bank the day before she disappeared. At this bank, she had a safety deposit box where she kept a large amount of cash— So police learned that a few months earlier, Sarah had come across a shoebox full of cash in her family's beach house. This was apparently her mom's old cash, and she found it after her mom passed away from cancer in 2013. Sarah had then put a lot of this cash into a safety deposit box. And the day before she disappeared, she went to the bank and accessed that box. Liam was apparently with her when she stopped at the bank, but did not go inside with her. When detectives opened the safety deposit box, there was $25,000 worth of older, damaged bills. They were able to see Sarah on the bank's security footage that day, acting normal, smiling, being friendly. Nothing seemed out of place. Finding all of that money inside of her safety deposit box pretty much told detectives that it was highly unlikely that she had chosen to run away or had purposefully disappeared. She wouldn't have left that much money, along with her passport and other important personal belongings, behind. But the case kind of started to go cold. There were no leads, no sign of Sarah anywhere. That is, until one day, detectives got a call from a man named Anthony Curry. This was two months after Sarah disappeared, two months of no answers, and Anthony told them that he knew who killed Sarah. Anthony Curry was an aspiring film director and went to high school with both Liam McItasney and Sarah Stern. He had recently become closer with Liam and they bonded over their love of music, but... Once Sarah went missing and Curry realized that this was very close to a quote-unquote film idea that Liam had given him, he knew he had to go straight to police. He told police that McAtasney back on Thanksgiving in 2016 had given him this quote-unquote film idea to kill a girl and throw her over the bridge. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Because Curry was an aspiring filmmaker, he just thought it was a film idea and didn't think much more of it until Sarah went missing. In January 2017, Curry started receiving Snapchat messages from McItasney, saying he needed to talk to him and that it was urgent. Curry felt like he could potentially be in danger, so he went to police and told them what he knew, and they created a plan to get a confession out of McItasney. They rigged Curry's car with a hidden video camera so that he could meet with McItasney and try to get this confession out of him. On January 31st, 2017, while being secretly videotaped inside of Curry's car, McItasney confessed. And this was all caught on videotape with detectives listening in live. I'm going to insert a few different audio clips from this recording. The first thing that McItasney said to Curry when he got into the car was, you can't blame me for doing this. I got to feel you up, bro, real quick, all right? No disrespect. Basically, I think that he was feeling to see if there was a wire.
0: You can't blame me for doing this, right? I gotta see the airport real quick. All right? No disrespect. I'll show you. No disrespect, okay?
1: But after that, McItasney spilled everything. He claimed that he had planned the crime for half a year and his motive was to steal from her. McIntyre claimed, though, that he didn't get as much money as he thought he would. He said, quote, The worst part of it is, I thought I was walking out with $50,000 to $100,000 in my pocket. But instead, he was just able to steal around $10,000. He claimed that he didn't even get a quarter of the money and couldn't even put it in the bank because it was in such bad old shape that he didn't want to seem suspicious. Here's some more audio from that confession.
0: The worst part of it is I thought I was walking out 50 grand, 100 grand in my pocket. She had one safe and she took money out and she only had 10 grand. And this money, I don't know if it was burnt or something. Old money, terrible quality. I don't even know if I can put any of it in the bank. Right, because it'll probably probably look sketchy, right? Look sketchy, and it'll look like it's Sarah's money, especially if it's a federal investigation. Right, if they're looking for the guy who has the old money. Right, because it's probably like the, the old dollar bills. It's not like the new because the hundred dollar bills are changed now. Exactly. No, I I didn't even try to do anything with it because it's in such bad right. like, shape. Yeah, you can't even- like I need to play low and then maybe like take some back and see if I can put it in the bank. So what, do you have to hit it hidden? Yeah. Where'd you hide it? First it was in my house for a long time but then I stopped trusting Preston. Yeah, what's the deal with Preston? Was he No, he's cool. He was Did he have like help from or not? Oh yeah. Sarah's whole deal was my thing. But I had planned Sarah's situation. For me to be interrogated by cops. Right. Like, that was the part of my plan to make me look not guilty. Like, what did you did you, throw it? you didn't hear that? It was all over the news. Yeah, but I didn't know if you, like, it. Yeah. And the worst part is we threw her off the bridge and the body never showed up. It's probably frozen. It's probably horrible we had in the ocean. Yeah. And, dude, I'm hanging out with her, she was, we, we went to the bank, she took some money out, not all of her money, we're counting it out, and then she goes to walk out the front door, I took her out, dragged her, my biggest problem was the dog, and her dog laid there and watched as I killed her, didn't do anything. Jeez, nobody was there. No, nobody was there. Even her dad wasn't there. He was in Florida. Yeah, you said that he was there. Yeah. Florida. So, I have to leave. I dropped my phone at Sarah's house. My phone was at Sarah's house. Like. Wait, you left your phone? Yeah, I lost it. I couldn't find it. I had to go to work. I had timed everything out so that. Why did you, why did you take your phone? You should have left it in your Dude. What were you doing? Strangling someone? I couldn't find it, dude. It ended up being out in the driveway. Oh, it must have dropped there. It must have dropped when I was crawling to get in the car. But I took her out, dragged her into the back, put her in the bathroom, and then I had to go straight to work. So Preston came over, took the body, put it in the bushes, and then I was at work. I had a full like, night of work, except I left work a couple times which looks sketchy. To look for my phone, though, no. which is a reasonable... It's kind of like, me losing my phone is kind of a good thing, because the cops are like, oh, he's hanging out right there, he lost phone. his phone, he's going back and forth between his house looking for it. Mm. And then I get off work that night, go straight over, uh person I go over to her house, take her safe, bring that over to my house before we do anything. And we take her body out of the bushes and drag it over to her back fence and I crawl, get into her car, and I back up. She had, there's a security camera across the street. So I had to back I had to act like her. I watched her every time she backed out, she does the same thing. So I backed out exactly like she did and drove off. Put her in the trunk. No, put her in the passenger seat of her own car. And then, first all, I had these walkie-talkies to communicate with. We just used them again. So I was driving, and I had her buckled in, in the passenger where so she like she looks like she's just sleeping. She's just sitting up. And my, my plan was, for me, I underestimated my own strength. I got up on top of the bridge to throw her off. My, my plan was I was going to throw her off run over, jump over the divider and get in the person's car. And I go up, open the door, unhook her, pull her out, start dragging her to throw her over, and then cars start coming up. I see like headlights coming. I try to get her over and I can't leg up. Like the weight from her body like made me fall and my leg like went up. So now I'm dripping my leg up and there's three cars coming up. So I Grabbed her body, dude. I had superhuman strength, and I threw it in the car, and I picked it up. And her feet were up here, and her foot, her head, her head was down there. And three cars go by, and I'm losing my. Because that easily could have been a cop. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the police station is like right there. Yeah, yeah. And the person comes over the bush, goes around, makes a U-turn, comes up behind me. The two of us throw the body over, and then we were out. I picked her up and had her just like dangling off the ground, and she just pissed herself and said my name, and then that was it. And it took me a half an hour to kill her. I thought I was going to be able to choke her out and have her out in, like, a couple minutes. I choked her out, and then she was just laying there having a seizure or something. So then I just, I had to... I got a shirt and I just shoved it down her throat so she wouldn't throw up or anything and held my finger over her nose and set a timer. That's the only time I had my phone. And it took me like a half an hour after I hit start. It was just a known, it was part of my plan for them to know that we were hanging out. Because it, I needed to make it seem like we were better friends than we actually were. So that they wouldn't question me my behavior with her. We gotta play it safe. Anyone not yeah, that I understand. Yeah. It could be anyone and I don't want Preston to, to think that he has to kill you and take you out because you are the only person that knows. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I've tried to try to imply that you might know and he gets really upset. Yeah. So maybe don't tell him. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Yeah. But you're the only person besides Preston that knows. And I told you that in the beginning. That's how it was going to be. I signed this thing out for like six months. Yep. And I didn't get a lot of money, but I had enough money to just be like living comfortably in my house.
1: So Liam McIntazney killed his friend Sarah Stern because he wanted to steal from her. And he had just confessed the entire thing, implicating himself and his friend Preston Taylor. This confession was so freaking sick. He told Curry that it took about half an hour to kill her, way longer than the couple of minutes he expected it to take. He began choking her until she began basically seizing, and he then stuck a shirt in her mouth so she wouldn't vomit. He set a timer on his phone and basically waited a half hour until Sarah succumbed. Afterward, he hid her body in some bushes in her backyard while he went to work. Then later, he returned to dispose of her body and make it look like a suicide. McAtasney said that he then called Preston Taylor to help him dispose of her body. Taylor was his old roommate and was actually Sarah's prom date the year before. Taylor showed up to Sarah's house to help his friend rob the safe where the money was. The two then placed Sarah in the passenger seat of her own car with the seatbelt on to make it look like she was just asleep. Taylor followed in his car, and once they arrived at the bridge, they proceeded to toss her body over the side. McAtasney said that he had a harder time doing so than he expected, and that three separate cars actually passed by while it was happening, and he kept thinking he was going to get caught, but no one stopped. They then left Sarah's car's car with the keys inside and fled in Taylor's car. At the end of the taped confession, McAtasney told Curry, I don't feel any different and I don't think about it.
0: I don't feel any different and I don't think about it. You always think you're going to try these new things and you're going to change. It just doesn't do anything. It's
1: weird. Curry did an incredible job during this confession to not give up that he was being videotaped or not show the fear that was running through his body. This confession gave police all they needed to know what truly happened to Sarah. They decided though to go after Preston Taylor first to try to get another confession out of him so that they could nail Liam McAtasney for sure. And when they brought Preston Taylor in, he confessed right away and he told the entire story that pretty much matched up to what McAtasney had confessed to Curry. After Taylor confessed, he went back to Sarah Stern's house with detectives to show slash tell them what happened that night. And then he brought detectives to where the two had buried the safe that they stole from Sarah. On February 2nd, 2017, Liam McAtasney was arrested. They searched his car, and inside, they found a key to that same safe. This was a huge break in the case and completely shocked the community. Two people had just been arrested for the murder of Sarah Stern, who up until this point had just been missing. On April 24th, 2017, Preston Taylor pled guilty to basically throwing Sarah's body from the bridge— and he agreed to testify against Liam McTasney. So the charges he pled guilty to were robbery, conspiracy to commit robbery, tampering with physical evidence, and two counts of hindering apprehension. So he was not charged with accessory to murder or anything like that, and in return, he would have to testify against his friend. He was sentenced to 18 years in prison, and he will be eligible for parole in 2032. Actually, in September 2019, his legal team tried to get his sentence reduced, but a judge rejected the bid. Just hours after Preston Taylor's plea deal went through, a grand jury indicted Liam McItasney on seven counts. First-degree murder, first-degree felony murder, first degree robbery, second degree desecration of human remains, second degree conspiracy, and second degree hindering apprehension. The grand jury also found an aggravating factor in this case, so that basically increased the penalty for murder from 30 years to life to life in prison without parole. Now, McAtasney did not confess to police and entered a not guilty plea. His defense tried to say that in the confession that he was taped saying in Curry's car, he was just telling a story, acting out a new movie. He has maintained his innocence to this day, and his lawyer and his mom still believe that he is innocent. Taylor testified against McItasney as part of his plea deal, as did Anthony Curry, who he had confessed to. At the trial, Michael Stern, Sarah's father, also shared a moving impact statement. In it, he said, quote, I was devastated and numb from shock the day I learned from detectives Sarah was murdered. I've had horrific dreams and nightmares. The horrid act of what happened to her body haunts me every day. I will never be able to hug Sarah again. Despite the defense's attempt to prove that he did not murder Sarah Stern, Liam McItasney was found guilty on all counts. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus an additional 10 years. He will be spending the rest of his life behind bars. This shocked the community because, as I said, Sarah and Liam were so close. They were best friends and nobody would have expected this. In addition, Liam was being very cooperative with detectives after Sarah went missing, even assisting in a ton of the searches, and nobody suspected him in the least. And the motive behind this, killing your best friend to get some money, it just shocked everybody and shocked me when I first read about this case. Sarah Stern's friends remember her fondly. She was very creative and was a talented artist. Her dad actually shared some of her artwork on an ABC 2020 episode that covered the case, and she truly was so talented. One of Sarah's friends remembers that her favorite quote to describe herself was a reckless optimist. She was always someone who looked on the bright side of things and forged forward no matter what. People loved Sarah, and she had a lot of people who cared about her, including her father. There is a memorial on that bridge that her father visits frequently, and she lives on through him. And that is the case of the murder of Sarah Stern. I know that it was a little bit of a shorter one because there's not a ton of details beyond what I just shared, but I still wanted to share this story because her story, her name, deserves to be out there. It is just so horrific, and the detectives did a really good job continuing to investigate and staying on top of it and planning that proper sting investigation or sting operation, I guess, to get McItasney to confess. But that is all I have for you guys today. Don't forget to go look at the beautiful photos of Sarah and some of her artwork that I'll be posting on our Instagram, which is inhuman underscore podcast, and our Facebook Inhuman Podcast. But with that, we will see you guys on Thursday, and until then, keep it human. Bye. We are super excited because today's episode is sponsored by BarkBox. As most of you guys know, my dog Mackie loves his chew toys, but they do not last very long in our house. And that's why we love our subscription service, BarkBox. BarkBox is a monthly subscription box that offers an array of themed boxes for your pup. Inside your box, you'll find toys, treats, and unleashed joy, thoughtfully designed to satisfy every dog's unique playstyle. BarkBox has several boxes to choose from, depending on your dog's needs, such as the Super Chewer Box, which was designed to challenge and engage your pup for longer-lasting play. And that's what we need for Mackie. <laughs> right now, you can get a free extra month of BarkBox, which is up to a $35 value, by using our link, www.barkbox.com inhumanpod. So treat your dog to what they love with BarkBox www.barkbox.com slash inhumanpod for a extra free month of
0: BarkBox.